0: Welcome to Simplify. I'm Caitlin Schiller, and in this episode, you will hear from Evian Whitney, a sensualist and somatic practitioner,
1: and you will also hear from special guest co-host Phoebe. Phoebe? Hello, I'm Phoebe McIndoo, and I'm thrilled to be here with you, Caitlin, as a personal Fan of Evian and aspiring sensualist. I can't say that I'm there yet, but I'm on the journey. <laughs>
0: Aren't we all? We're all both already there and on the journey, I think, is what we're going to learn throughout this interview. Yeah. So maybe you're wondering where's Ben? Uh, I will tell you last week, Ben's kid was sick and he couldn't be here. This week, Ben himself has been stricken down by a bug. Uh, he's fine, don't worry. But I think that this also provides us a really nice segue because Ben is home sick because he listened to his body. Mm. And that is what we're talking about today with Evian Whitney. And again, somatic practitioner, sensualist, author, podcaster. And an advocate for generally awakening all of us to the pleasures of the senses that are alive inside of us. We talked about a lot of things, advocating for what your body needs, what it feels like to really be in your body. Um, I think that you'll enjoy it. This is a little bit more of an esoteric topic, but I think it's really important and and really interesting. You might want to listen to it more than once, and I would really love to hear what you think about it. You can always email us.
1: Um yeah, Phoebe. Yeah, I think I I loved the the way you put it there of kind of being alive, um, or or feeling into the pleasure of all the senses that are alive within us. I think you you said, and yeah, that gives me almost a kind of bodily reaction hearing hearing that this kind of this word pleasure and, and thinking about these feelings and sensations that we don't often pay much attention to. Um and I guess I would just add that I'm coming to this interview having had the pleasure of working with Evian Whitney before on a manifesto which they Um, which they very kindly wrote uh, for Blinkist. And this manifesto is to the senses and to the idea of slowness and and slowing down. Mm. Um, And there was a question in the manifesto that we will link to in the show notes, which was, who would you be if you were fully in your body? And that's something that's kind of haunted mm. and and delighted my, my thinking ever since.
0: Yeah. What I really love about that
1: question, which
0: again, seems maybe kind of esoteric on the surface, but it's a really good question because what we'll learn in this episode too is that when you are fully in your body and paying attention to the sensory input you're receiving, when you're there for it, when you're there for the wisdom of what your body is saying to you, you really can be a different person because you were then equipped to make different choices. You have new information. Feelings, as we've learned in other episodes of Simplify, feelings are a data set. Mm. Sensations are also a data set, and they are one that I think a lot of us are very cut off from.
1: So um, mm. what particularly resonated uh, from the interview? Was there something that we should be listening out for? Yeah, um,
0: I. there was this moment when Evian describes how to tell whether you're up in your head or whether you're really in your body in the moment. And it sounds like you should be able to do that pretty easily. But the distinction is actually, I mean, it's different. You've experienced it before, Phoebe, right? Like trying to decide whether you're in your body or in your head. Mm. It's hard.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, that feeling of um, being disconnected from your body is so interesting because it's something I usually feel a kind of great deal of shame around. And and what I like about everyone's work and what I return to is I think they encourage this idea of of not feeling shame around uh, disconnection, but being just curious about it and where's mm. that coming from and why am I not feeling safe in this context? And why have I escaped from my body and into mm. my mind? What What's sort of going on there? So, I, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Let's do it. Let's hear the interview. Phoebe,
0: see you in the bookend. See you at the bookend. (laughs) Hi, Evian. Thank you so much for being here today. Ah,
2: Caitlin, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: So to start us off, I would love it if you could introduce yourself the way that you like to be introduced.
2: Mm. My name is Evian Whitney. I use they, them pronouns. I am a sexuality doula, a somatic practitioner, and I like to call myself a sensualist because so much of my work is around being in my sensual body. How did you get into what you do? So I I say that I got into this work for very selfish reasons. I was trying (laughs) to understand, heal, and reconnect to my body. And my sensuality Mm. and my sexuality outside of so many narratives that I'd been given about all of those things. Narratives of shame, narratives of disempowerment, narratives of not having agency or connection to my desires as, as, as that being a good thing. So I was really coming to this work, not really from a place of wanting to help other people, I really wanted to just help and quote unquote fix myself because I was Mm. feeling really disconnected. I was feeling really dissociated. And particularly within this realm of sexuality, I was feeling lost. Like I was looking at all of my peers and seeing all of these things in the media, folks talking about how sex was so magical and amazing and pleasurable. And I was like, what are you guys on? Because that is not, (laughs) that is not the experience I'm having. I mean, I've caught glimpses of that, but most of the time I am not in my body when I'm having Mm. sex. Like everybody is talking about sex and it's seemingly everyone's doing sex and being confident within that expression. I began to write very openly and publicly on the internet about some of these questions that I was having and some of these fears and confusions and also curiosities I was having about like, what would be on the other side of my sexual self if so many of the things that I've internalized, you know, shame and trauma and fear, if those things got reconciled, like what would be on the other side of that? I got a lot of folks who were reading my words at the time saying, oh my God, me too. I have the same experience. Mm -hmm. I've had a similar upbringing. You know, I was raised conservative Christian, signing purity contracts Mm -hmm. and abstinence only teachings. Um, And that was kind of like the inkling for me. I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. (laughs) I'm not the only one that feels disconnected Mm -hmm. or unconfident or unsure, even in my twenties. Like I, I'm hearing from folks, from women, from non-binary folks who are in their thirties, forties, fifties, saying the same thing or similar things as me. Um, and it was from there that I just continued to, to dive deeper. First of all, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, and second, I think that, that
0: most modern humans, existing under capitalism, are carrying around a deeply wounded sensuality. Sensuality has been kind of collapsed into sex, which is, as well we know, very much commoditized, so it it can be controlled. But if we decouple sensuality from sexuality for a minute, and I want to make sure that we we really do that mindfully, can you tell me about how you envision and understand sensuality?
2: Yeah, I really appreciate this question because you're so right. So many people have seen sensual or sensuality as being synonymous to sexual or sexuality. And while I believe that we absolutely can have sensuality dance within sexual realms, I see sensuality as its own expression, as its own experience, that doesn't have to have anything to do with sex or sexuality. So the way that I see sensuality is that it's a it's a process, a practice, a relationship with our body, with our five, six senses, with the ways that we receive information through sensation, through feeling, through even coming into uh, the ephemeral, like our emotional bodies. So sensuality for me is about being in relationship with the physicality, with the emotionality of our, of our bodies and all of the other expressions, feelings, sensations that can come up within that relationship.
0: What started to change for you as you began to, to heal? How did your, like, what were the first things that you noticed feeling different for you?
2: I noticed that I was feeling my body more, like I was really conscious and aware that I had a body and that I had a body that was trying to talk to me, like trying to deliver messages to me about slow down, don't do that, Mm -hmm. say no, say yes, soften here and that was really surprising to um to to get that connection you know i i work within this methodology of somatics and so much about my understanding about sensuality and the body and pleasure comes through this understanding that like in order for us to have the greatest sex that we wanna have or to really savor these pleasurable and enjoyable experiences that we have with people, we have to be in our bodies. And in order to be fully in our bodies, we can't sort of segment out or pick and choose which feelings we wanna feel. We have to open up our capacity to feel everything, Mm. not just the good, not just the pleasurable, but the grief. And the anxiety and the frustration and the fear and the disconnection. Mm. So, that was something that I noticed right away was that, oh, this whole time I thought that I was disconnected from the head down. But actually, when I really took time to listen to my body, it had so much to say, it had so many desires, um, it wanted so many things. And then the task for me was <laughs> to not just listen, but to heed those messages, like to actually build a relationship with my body that was in service to it feeling safe and feeling good, as opposed to overriding mm-hmm. my body.
0: Yeah. I think we're so used to doing that. We're so used to overriding.
2: Yeah. I mean, we live in a culture that is constantly telling us and even celebrating us when we override our bodies. You know, Um, I think about fitness culture. When I think about how a lot of people have a relationship with their body through fitness, Mm -hmm. like through working out, going to the gym, that's their way of connecting to their body on purpose and a lot of times, what I see is, even in a yoga class, like even in a a class that's supposed to be chill and like breathing, folks will still override their body. They will still, like, if a stretch isn't too intense, they're like, "I don't want to hear my my hamstrings um screaming, like, <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that because mm-hmm. no pain, no gain, mm-hmm. right? so so, yeah, overriding is a part of our culture. And one of the things that I try to practice in my own personal practice and also what I try to encourage my clients to think about is this idea of slowing down Mm. because the only way that we're going to be able to listen to the voice of our body The only way we're going to be able to be fully in our bodies is if we slow our pace. And that has to be a deliberate act that we come back to minute by minute. Mm -hmm. Like even if it's just taking intentional inhale through the nose, filling up the low belly and then exhaling with a sigh. Like that is a practice of slowing down. And when you come to those practices regularly, you're telling your body, hey, I see you, I hear you, and I'm going to pay attention to
0: you. I think that for, for many people listening to this, it's entirely possible that they haven't really thought about whether or not they're in their bodies. And what are some ways that people can tell when they're connected and when they are really in their bodies
2: and when they're not, I guess? Some of us might be familiar with like sitting at a computer all day or hunching over a screen as we're looking at our phone. And like, think back to those moments. Where do you feel the energy located in your body? I know for me during those moments, it feels at the very front of my face and also in my hands, whatever it is that I'm holding. If I'm looking at a screen, I I only feel this energy um, or aliveness in, in my head and in my hands as I'm typing or whatever. I think another thing too that, may not be something that you can sense in your own body, but what I notice happens for a lot of people is rushing creates a dissociation or a disconnection from the body. Yeah. Like think back to the last time you were rushing around. You're not even thinking about having a body. When when you're rushing, where does your body go? Mm. When you're driving, where does your body go? When you're looking at your screen and scrolling for hours on end, through your feeds, where is your body? Do you feel your body in those moments? Those are really great questions to ask and not from a place of judgment, but just from a place of curiosity. For folks who might be unfamiliar with this still, think back to one of your favorite memories, something that gave you a lot of joy, that gave you a lot of happiness. I'm willing to bet that one of the reasons why that experience, that memory is so vibrant for you and such a favorite for you is because you were in your body. You were in your body experiencing life through all of your senses. You were totally awake to the connections you were making, the colors, the sounds, the sights. That is a really great indication that you're in your body. And we can all experience this on purpose. And that's that's where this relationship to sensuality, to our bodies can come into play to really enhance and accentuate those moments a lot more.
0: Mm. That was really, really helpful. The think back to one of your favorite memories exercise, because I, I think that that something just clicked into place for me there. So if we successfully get in our bodies, I just wonder if it is a new thing for someone, if they don't spend a lot of time there, if they want to dissociate because it feels safer or it's just more familiar... It might feel a little bit overwhelming, no? There there are needs that come up. There are things Absolutely. that our body is saying, right? So there's these messages. And mm-hmm. maybe you can talk about for you when you started to really be more in your body, what are the things you started to hear or, or and what are the things that people might expect?
2: Yeah, that's that's the rub, right? <laughs> Getting in our bodies yeah. means that we have to be in our bodies. And sometimes being in our bodies is hard. Mm. Um, sometimes sitting down with the emotions of our bodies is really, really difficult. And we have good reason to disconnect. We have good reason to dissociate because of how how hard it is to be in our bodies a lot of the time. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about uh, marginalized folks. I'm thinking mm. about um, people who have a complex PTSD or who have been traumatized in whatever capacity. Um, it is really difficult to be with ourselves because in order to be in our bodies, we have to begin to make contact with the parts of ourselves that we've been running away from, mm. like the parts of ourselves that we've been on purpose, trying to disconnect from. And for the record, I don't think that body disconnection or dissociation is a bad thing. I think it gets a bad rap, particularly if we are making that a habit. Like yeah. if that is our automatic response is to disconnect, is to dissociate. But the act of disconnecting from our body is an act of trying to keep ourselves safe. Mm-hmm. It's an it's an act of trying to bring regulation in a moment or in a time where things just feel too much, too fast, too soon. Um, disconnection, dissociation is our body's way of being like, "Hey, I got to shut down because I can't process what's happening. And that's a beautiful thing. We really want to trust in the wisdom of our body. And we also want to be curious about why and when that happens. Like um a, a perfect example of this that I will use um, for my <laughs> myself, I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to sex, actually. So I was experiencing body shutdown every time that I would have sex with my partner. And my partner is a wonderful man. He is sweet. He is tender. He's attentive. He's patient. I've never felt unsafe with him within a sexual context. And yet my body was having this response of like, oh, intimacy oh, sexy time, we got to shut down, we got to abort, like we can't be here. And with instances like that, when you are seemingly in a space of safety, when people are around you who love you and are trying to connect with you and you feel the sense of like, I don't want to be here. I invite people to think about like, why is that happening? And and our bodies are so smart, like the moment that we begin to tap into that, we might notice just these micro articulations, like just bringing more awareness to what is happening within your physical body, within your emotional body. I think having more of awareness of that can create the space, the potential for different choices. And maybe you don't know what those choices are just yet, but you can begin to um, get curious about that as you get curious about like where your body goes. I thought about trust when mm. you were just talking, because it strikes me that to be
0: comfortable being anywhere, we have to really trust the space we're entering. And it's really hard to do if if you don't trust your body, like accessing sensuality would be very difficult. I think a lot of us have trouble trusting our bodies. Do you have experience with that, of working with people who maybe
2: need to repair trust in their bodies? Yes, absolutely. That's actually one of the first places that I start when I work with folks. I'm really curious about the relationship that they have to their body, like even from the basic, when I say that you have a body, like what comes up in your in your mind or what sensations presence themselves in your body as you think about that, as you ruminate on that. And um, a lot of times people are walking around, myself included... <laughs> feeling like we forget that we have a body, you know, because we move so mm-hmm. fast in our world. Um, our culture really prioritizes the mind and, um, I've seen it in in my work and also within some of the messages that I've internalized that the mind is superior. It basically drives the body that the body is just a vessel that the mind lugs around and, um, yeah, and I don't think that there's it's it's a bad thing or that we should judge ourselves for having those those associations, but one of the reasons why I do this work is to help folks create some curiosity around what would it be like for me to see my body as well as my mind because my mind is a part of my body. If we look at the body in that way, maybe that can be the first step to beginning to trust because so much of our understanding of our body is already so disjointed and dissociated. So if we start perhaps from this place of like, oh, my body is alive. It is a wise being that is constantly talking to me, constantly trying to give me messages, constantly trying to steer me into safety, dignity, belonging, Starting from that place, like what, what kind of curiosity can emerge? And from that curiosity, how can we build trust? Mm. I love
0: that. I love of thinking of our bodies as, as steering us toward dignity and and safety and experiencing the world in a beautiful way. Um, If people are accessing for the first time, this new way of, experiencing and understanding the situations in which they find themselves, the people with whom they find themselves, I, I can't help but think that it might start to pose a lot of scary questions. No, mm-hmm. like, why, if I'm with someone safe, why do I feel so unsafe? Or if these are my friends, mm-hmm. why is my neck so tight? Like, what? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do you prepare people for 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 starting to confront this new data set, really.
2: <laughs> hmm hmm Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the beauty and the curse, right, of getting in your body is that, like, if you are on this path and you're committed to honoring your body, then that means that you have to take the information, the sensations that your body is giving you really seriously and begin to ask those questions, like, huh, why is it that, like, I'm with these friends who I think Think I love, but I actually don't feel safe around them. And we could look at that as um, an annoyance. We could look at that as like a devastation. But I like to think of it as a way to just like figure out, like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to find ways to make myself feel safe or Mm. to make myself feel soft in these interactions. Like maybe there's nothing wrong with the people. Maybe they're unknowingly doing something that might be triggering or activating to me. Um, But that information can be really helpful, especially if you're in a relationship with someone that you want to stay with. So in the In the example of me being activated during sex, one of the things that I realized, even though my partner was being really sweet and gentle and soft and loving and patient, the pacing of the sexual interaction was too fast for me. Mm. Like I needed more time. I needed, my body needed more time to assess that this was a safe experience Um, because the body in a lot of ways isn't logical. It just Mm -hmm. keeps score of all of the things that it has experienced up until this point. Mm -hmm. So what that looked like for me is telling my partner, like, hey, I know that you might feel like this pacing is fine for you, but I need to slow down a little bit. Like I need to be able to slow down enough that I can feel my body when I'm in interaction, like sexual interaction with you. And that looks like me having more moments to pause, to breathe, to just like look around with my periphery of the room, to look at my partner, to remind myself like, oh yes, this is Jonathan. He loves me. We are here together. (laughs) Yeah, Like those those little moments are so important. Mm -hmm. And I'm just talking about sex here, but this can be anything. I mean, this can be... You notice that when you're with friends, you have a blast with them, but you're often meeting too late at night and you really want to go to bed. And maybe that (laughs) looks like saying, hey, y'all, I'm so distracted by how tired I am. I'm not able to be here fully with you. How about we meet up like, you know? at a noon, like let's try doing a noon brunch or something like that. Like these are these are things that you can begin to just sort of pay attention to of like, what would help my body feel more safe, more seen, more soft and see if you can bring those requests to the people that you love. Um, and if they are able to meet them, wonderful. And if they're not, that's a, that's really good information for you to use mm-hmm. about whether or not you wanna keep moving forward with them in the future.
0: That is true. Also, the meeting earlier, so relatable. This is my life. I want to be in bed by 9.15.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that was actually a real life experience that happened to me like last week. A friend of mine, a really good friend of mine was like, I'm having a birthday party. And I'm like, sweet. I'm so excited to celebrate with you. And she's like, it's at 9.30. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm in bed at 8 p.m. <laughs> so that I, I ended up showing up for a minute and I was like, wow, I can't even be here. Totally. But,
0: it's, it's really amazing <laughs> yeah. to me as a woman in her latter thirties now, the ways and the times in which I violated my own physical boundaries, because I just, mm-hmm. it didn't occur to me that I could ask for something else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think a lot of us will gaslight ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and be like, it, it's it's no big deal. I should be, everybody's here at this party at at 10 PM. Why can't I be here at 10 PM? Everyone just, just get over it. Like just get over it. Mm -hmm. Right. But the, the truth is that like, that's how my body works. My body wants to be in bed at an earlier time. And now I'm fully distracted because I can't be here with my friends. That's not serving anybody. There is the option for me to ask for what I need and to tend to that. And that, that that's not a bad thing. And then it makes me think of the other people who might've been in the room who are also having that same experience of like, yeah, this is really late for me too. Oh, this person, they just came in, gave a little hug, said that they got to go because they're sleepy. I can do that too? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) You know, so like we can, as we give ourselves permission to feel into what is going to make us feel good, even if it's seemingly irrational or we should be able to, um we should be able to move through it or whatever if we give ourselves that permission we're also showing an example to other people that they can access and make those requests as well
0: yes i am all for a sleepy babe revolution
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes make parties earlier please <laughs> truly, for the love of god truly
0: <laughs> being allied enough with your with yourself to override social expectations is such a big move and i i really hope that anybody listening feels um empowered and enabled to do that from uh, both of us admitting that we want to leave the party at like 8 p.m. so we can be in bed or <laughs> earlier.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, can we listen to our body's enthusiastic no's just as much as we can listen to our body's enthusiastic yeses? And what does that feel like in our body? Like that is the question that I've been living with of like, what does it feel like for my body to say yes? And how can I heed that a little bit more each day?
0: I have one last thing I wanted to ask you. um, And it's, Mm. if you could help people understand, understand something about sensuality, what would that thing be? What would you really want to leave them with?
2: I want people to know that They are a sensual being, that there is nothing that they need to learn. There's nothing that they need to do. There's no tool that they need to purchase. That just by having a body, just by listening to the voices and the wisdom of their body, just by paying attention with their senses, they are enacting their sensuality. And that they can come to this at any time, they can use their own sensuality as a tool to connect them to themselves, to connect them to the world around them, and to also explore the pleasure of being a human. For me, sensuality has been a practice of remembering just how pleasurable it can be to have a body and to be able to explore and feel and sense and enjoy and that is what I think life is about. Life is about enjoyment, and sensuality can can help get you there.
0: That's a great note to end on, mm-hmm. <laughs> Evian. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Where would you like people to find you?
2: Mm, there's so many ways that people can find <laughs> me. Since my podcast was mentioned, I will I will use that as a first place for people to to start or begin their journey of, of coming into their sensual selves, my podcast is called Sensual Self. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. I also have a book, uh, it's a guided journal, also titled Sensual Self, that you can find wherever you find books. It's a really beautiful book that will help you connect to your body, to your senses, to your pleasure with prompts and exercises, some of which I've kind of already explored on this um, on this episode today. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I I post some reels and other informational things there um, that are fun and playful to help you create practices within sensuality and getting into your body. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Caitlin and Thank you, Evion, for that gorgeous interview, and welcome to the bookend. Here we are, where we end with books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where we end with books. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't correcting you. I was just, you know, adding the second part of the, the traditional line. Um, ah, I really love that conversation. I love Evian's work. I hope that everybody listening got something out of that. It might feel a little, um, it might feel a little diffuse right now, and. I do think that this one is one that's really worth going back to and listening again because there's a lot there even though it seems like maybe it's quite simple. Phoebe, you really like Evian's work. You just listened to the interview too. Why don't Why don't you tell me what stood out to you?
1: Sure. I think among many things was the scene that Evian describes with their partner, Jonathan, uh, around having sex and And suddenly kind of feeling this uh, bodily disconnection. And I think in these situations, especially when it's someone that we're close with, we tend to feel a lot of shame and guilt and anger around the fact that we can't be there sexually connecting in our bodies. And what I really like about Evian's approach is they describe, you know, instead of feeling guilt around that, just tuning in and And hearing these kind of micro-articulations of the body. And I think this is really powerful because the word micro comes up again and again in the interview Mm. in terms of a micro-sensation, a micro-feeling. And I think that's the whole point to me about Evian's work, is that um, listening to your body, it's not about these kind of huge, big, life-changing moments although listening to your body will probably get you to those life-changing kind of experiences in the end. Um, but actually it's, it's very small and soft. These, Mm. these moments that we have to kind of be listening out for Mm. and uh, responding to. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, what stood out for you?
0: What stood out for me is this idea that Evian and I kind of laughingly came to toward the end of the interview about just asking for what you need. Mm. I think that is the biggest uh, the biggest payoff of learning to listen to your body because you actually know what you need if you mm. listen. Mm. And maybe that means you get to leave the party at 8 p.m. I also think about um, this concept that I got from the highly sensitive person this book called The Highly Sensitive Person, um, how the body is kind of like the child in the relationship. You have to kind of take care of it and listen to it and give it what it needs. Um, Make sure it has water, make sure it has rest. And it's really amazing how often we neglect this, this like tender child of our own beings. Mm. Um, So advocating for that tender child the soft animal of your body the soft animal of your body which is a a beautiful line from a mary oliver poem why don't we have some recommendations phoebe phoebe is um creative and unorthodox in almost everything she does which is one of the reasons i love her um and she brought some poetry to recommend Yes, I have a non-fiction piece for you as per the rules oh, afterwards. But. Wonderful. Good. Follow the rules <laughs> and brought a creative recommendation. Great. Lay it on me. What is it?
1: I think the the reason I thought of poetry was that the whole process of slowing down and being more in tune with, with what you hear and what you taste made me think of poems because mm-hmm. they're a kind of slower process. Um, so the first poem that sprung to mind was this Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it reminded me of treating your body with tenderness and, you know, not having to be down on your knees repenting. And the second collection of poems is from Raymond Antrobus. He's Jamaican, British, uh, deaf poet. Mm-hmm. And he writes about sound in connection to identity and how you form your identity through the different senses when oh. sound is perhaps not available to you, but you have this kind of visual world of sign. Mm. So beautiful. So those Amazing. are those are some of my poems. Do you have that <laughs> that second collection you just mentioned? Yeah.
0: Ooh, I'm borrowing it. Yeah, it's in my back. <laughs> and for those of you who are listening, you can't borrow it from Phoebe. Uh, we'll link to it in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, lovely. Cool. Um can I do my nonfiction pick and then yeah, do your nonfiction yeah, pick? Yeah, let's Great. do that one. Okay. My nonfiction pick, which, if you if you are a longtime listener of Simplify, maybe you've encountered already. Maybe you haven't. If you haven't, I highly recommend that you give the book a read, give the blink a read, and listen to the Simplify interview. It is The Body Is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. Great pick. So, so good. I loved this book. I really needed this book a few years ago when I encountered it. Um, it's just a, it's a, A defense of mm, standing up for, being in love with, being present to all of our bodies, no matter what they look like, no matter um, what size and shape they are, and not treating yourself like you're something to apologize for.
1: Awesome. And for my second uh, uh, selection, nonfiction is The Power of Ritual by Mm -hmm. casper to kyle okay and the reason i like this one caitlin is because again it's just about returning uh to yourself and what brings you joy and how can you make more of a ritual out of that and kind of chime into the seasonality of your emotions and your experiences Mm. um yeah anything
0: else any other thoughts you want to share before we wrap up mm, i guess i have one more thing yeah um and it's the. I think it was really important that at the end of the interview there, Evian reminds us that you don't have to do anything to be sensual. Mm. I think that uncoupling sexuality and sensuality and recognizing yourself as a sensual being, mm. a creature with senses, uh, a, a creature who is feeling and moving through the world via tactile experience, via sound, smell, taste, touch— um, you're already doing it. you're already a sensual being, and don't sweat it don't don't worry about it too much i I think that is what I will be taking away with me.
1: I think that's a really nice message.
0: yeah, so that's it, Phoebe. Thank you for joining today. I'm so glad that you were here, and we could do this together. Thanks for having me. Yes, um just so you know, dear listeners. In the Blinkist app, there is a whole guide on connecting to your sensual body that Evian did with Phoebe. Actually, Phoebe produced it. It's beautiful. It's in the Blinkist app. Again, go check it out. Uh, We will put links to all of these things in the show notes. And I want to say, stay tuned. Actually, you don't need to stay tuned. There will be another little bonus piece of content that will come out directly after this podcast episode. In fact, on the same day, it'll be really short. And what it is is a a quick, I think about six-minute, five-minute exercise uh, that Evian walked us through to connect to your body. And to get in your body, you can do it as many times as you need to. You can try it out once and never do it again. Um, But it's really, really lovely. And we thought we would put it in the feed as its own separate entity. So if you're you know, kind of done thinking about your body now, you don't have to experience it. But if you want a little bit more and you want to put some of these things into practice, you can go check that out. Mm. So look for that in the feed. There's also a visual walkthrough of it on Blinkist's Instagram. And I think that's all the housekeeping. Awesome. Simplifies, produced by me, Caitlin Schiller, Ben schumann Stoller. This time, Phoebe Macandrew is helping, uh, Adi Constantino, and Luisa Carvalho, who will help with the audio production. Um, you can check out all of the books that we mentioned here on Blinkist. There will be links to everything in the show notes. And thank you to Evian Whitney and to Phoebe. Thank you. Checking out.